0: Welcome to the Leader's Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leader's Edge. This episode is our inaugural Readers Edge podcast. Our new book reviewer, Scott Noggle, an independent bookstore owner and BXS Insurance President of Consumer Solutions, interviews Jack Davis, author of The Bald Eagle, The Improbable Journey of America's Bird. Davis, who is a Pulitzer Prize-winning writer, says, I wanted to tell a story of our environmental history, but not a grim and tragic one. Please enjoy their fun and informative conversation on America's Bird. Good day and and welcome. Jack Davis is with us today. He is the author of the uh, wonderful new book, The Bald Eagle, The Improbable Journey of America's Bird. Welcome, Jack. Thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Scott.
0: Jack, in every aspect, this was just a great book to read. The The, the research, the history. Uh, when I first started the book, you took me back uh, to revolutionary times. And uh, I was in the room with some of our uh, 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 people that founded this country and uh, brought us right up forward all on, this is an awful pun, the wings of the bald eagle. <laughs> Uh, what uh, what was your impetus? What what was the seed? Why did you? When did you first start to think that you might want to write about the the bald eagle?
1: Um, I think I decided I wanted to write the, about the bald eagle after I finished the Gulf of Mexico book, and um, I wanted to write a obviously another environmental book or about the american environmental history but i wanted to give readers a break from the usual grim and tragic story of our environmental past and write about something that was a bit more uplifting something about an environmental success story and the bald eagle's that which is not to say it doesn't have its grim and tragic uh, moments in that in uh, its history the bald eagle's history of the united states but uh, it also has some redeeming moments and um, we're living one of those moments right now and it's wonderful to see because uh, as you as we all know the bald eagle population now is is, is thriving when it once wasn't
0: it, it is amazing to see and i I can often uh, or not often enough see them uh, standing on the gulf coast of the mississippi i can look out and, uh, and spot a bald eagle which is something that uh, Uh, is becoming more and more of an occurrence where I hear people say that they have have seen them. Um, I want to step back a moment. You mentioned uh, your book that immediately uh, preceded this one, and I want to give it the the proper due as well. Uh, The the title is The Gulf, The Making of an American Sea, and it's a wonderful history of of the Gulf of Mexico, and it also, uh, very correctly, uh, earned you a Pulitzer Prize uh, for that work, um, but I'm also glad. It, I, in reading your book, it was um, uh, it, it was not only informative, but as you touched upon, it was it was nice to end a book or get to the end where it was a success story, and we could see the eagle and the population increasing. Um, your writing style is something that I think that distinguishes your book. Uh, you put the person at the scene. Uh, you're very personal, I think, uh, in, in injecting uh, your knowledge, your thoughts. Um, passionate at times, which comes through, which I think is what made it such interesting reading. Have you had a long-standing love for the Ameri- uh, the bald eagle, uh, its journey. How did you become so personal? I would say, personally interested in it?
1: Uh, well, no, I, I can't, unlike the Gulf, which as you know, I grew up on the Gulf of Mexico and I have this lifelong relationship with this and, and love uh, for the Gulf of Mexico. The bald eagle, no, I don't think a lot of us do because the bald eagle was just not around um and you know i'm a baby boomer and so i didn't see the bald eagle growing up anywhere and uh, i don't think i saw my first bald eagle in the wild until the 19 late 1990s and so when it's not in your life it's hard to have that lifelong love or passion for uh anything anything in particular but the um as i you know, as it was coming back, I became more interested in it, as the rest of us do. And I came also interested in, in how um, we Americans have responded to the, the comeback of the bald eagle in the last few decades. And it's been a phenomenal comeback. In 2010, the population quadrupled, and today, continent wide, it's. Probably around 500,000, which is equal to the estimated size of the population at the time that Europeans began settling North America. So that's quite extraordinary coming back from a, a nadir in 1963 of fewer than 500 nesting pairs in the lower, entire lower 48 states. And so I, I but also what fascinated me as much as the bird itself is the more I was learning about it was our own our own fascination with the bird, excuse me, our, 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 our love of this thing. It's, it's, you, you see it crossing the sky and it's one of those poke the guy in the ribs next to you, excitement, you know, you have to point it out. You have to say something, you have to squeal or squawk or something. Uh, The reaction is phenomenal. And I don't care, you know, I don't care who you are, whether you're a red, white, and blue American or a tree hugger or a birder uh, or, or, or all of those things in one you everybody loves the bald eagle and uh, that's what I like as, as well about the story and about the bird itself the way it's this it has this very magnetic um draw and uh to it
0: along those lines and I believe the photos in the book uh but I, I I've seen a, uh, the photo of you holding uh a bald eagle and if I remember correctly the, the bald eagle's name is Sarge that's right. Tell us about what it was the the preparation you had to do for that and how you remained calm, and uh, how you uh, uh, how that all came about. Because in the photo, you're smiling; you, you look as happy as could be. I I, I can't take uh, personal human feelings and put them on the the bald eagle, but he or she looked very content as well, Jack. So tell me about how that came about.
1: Yeah, so Sarge is a she, and uh, Sarge is a flightless eagle. She has a feather deformity, and she's been in um, captivity most of her life. She belongs to uh, a raptor center, excuse me, a raptor center in Largo, Florida, um, coincidentally, where I grew up. And she, I was invited, somebody uh, who was in charge of the raptor center at the time learned that I was writing this book and invited me to come down and meet Sarge. And um, it, it took a few more, a few months before I finally got down there to meet Sarge. And Sarge is uh, accustomed to people and being on people's arms. Uh, and she is part of, um, of an avian um, vet or veteran um, rehabilitation program for veterans who suffer from PTSD. And so Patrick Bradley started this program says he puts wounded bird together with wounded vets. And so Sarge has been, again, uh, on a number of people's arms and um, it wasn't any problem getting her on my arm. I was excited to have her there, uh, as, as you said. I mean, my smile in the picture is genuine and it wasn't intended to be my author photo, but we all liked it, we meaning the people at the Raptor Center. I liked it so much, I said, oh, my gosh, this needs to be on the book cover. And and the press loved it, too. And uh, so, and Sarge, by the way, uh, Scott, has come to a couple of my uh, golf talks, public golf uh, talks on the Gulf of
0: Mexico. <laughs> that, that would be just phenomenal. Uh, and, and that's one of the interesting things I learned in reading your book, and I'll use the wrong term, so please correct me. but. It's not domesticated, but that eagles can be properly kept and shown and displayed, and uh, occasionally fly and fly a circuit and come back and, and and land back on someone's arm. That that was just fascinating to me.
1: Yes, uh, and as you as you know from reading a book, not all eagles are receptive to uh, interaction with the public, uh, but some of them are, and uh, they, uh eagles are not the easiest birds to um, keep in captivity and uh, to use in educational programs in which they might interact with the public. Uh, other raptors such as owls and, and hawks are, are better um, um, and better adapted uh, to those kind of interactions. But uh, some bald eagles do, do quite well, and as you said, um, the American Eagle Foundation uh, in uh, eastern Tennessee has um, a number of uh, eagles that do that at various events. They'll, they'll, they'll fly off of the arm of, of one handler and, uh, and fly, you know, th- across the stadium or around a stadium uh, or, or across a, a racetrack and land on the other and another trainer's arm. And uh, they're quite spectacular to see.
0: Well, with a, if I have this, if I remember correctly, with a up to a seven-foot wingspan, that, that would be just phenomenal to see. Um, if you could tell us a bit about the Eagle Repository in Colorado. I wasn't aware of uh, uh, what appears to be uh, very good work that's being done uh, by the uh, National Wildlife Federation and uh, their funding of... Uh, an eagle repository, an eagle uh, center, uh, if I remember correctly, outside Denver, Colorado.
1: Yes, outside Denver, and it's actually a a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Sorry, okay. And it is, um, so it's illegal to keep an eagle feather if an eagle flies uh, overhead and and a feather drops from it, you are by law required to turn it into authorities. And if you find an eagle dead on the road or in the woods, you're also required to turn that into authorities. And uh, all dead eagles and eagle parts end up, um, or at least those that are found, are sent to the National Eagle Repository uh, right outside Denver. And there they are processed uh, for uh, use by Native American cultures. Um, The uh, bald eagle has uh, long been an important bird in, in uh, the and many native cultures, as a, it's uh, regarded as a spirit bird, a messenger uh, between uh, the um, uh, the people and their their uh, uh, lost ancestors and and the, and and the creator. And uh, they, you know, they fly high. They get close to that spirit world. And they're used uh, in numerous uh, types of rituals among uh, a number of native groups across uh, uh, North America, and so all those the dead eagles that end up at the repository uh, are processed, and their uh, the feathers, their talons, uh, the other body parts are are distributed um, almost exclusively to, to to native peoples. And one thing that I'm sure you remember from reading the book uh the one person who for years has been the uh, uh, uh the one processing the eagle bodies is known as the uh, mother plucker
0: yes i recall that yes <laughs> there were there are so many good stories uh within your book uh, of people who took tremendous risk to preserve and advance the cause of uh, 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 rebounding the eagle population. Are there one or two that stuck with you in particular?
1: Yes, there are. And as, as you know from the book, the eagle um, um, was on the brink of extinction twice in our, in our history, uh, late 19th and early 20th century, because Americans were shooting uh, the, uh, the eagle, treating it as any other predator, like a wolf or a coyote. Um, we hear all about the slaughter of the bison, but we don't hear about the American slaughter of the bald eagle. And uh, so the early 20th century, there were a number of people who, who arose to try to uh, save the eagle from extinction. Uh, it seemed duplicitous, it seemed dishonest, it seemed disgraceful that the living bird behind this very powerful national symbol um, uh, might be lost. And uh, so one among those people, uh, two really. There's a Rosalie Edge who founded the the um, the Emergency Conservation Committee uh, in response to Audubon's mm-hmm. National Audubon, which would not take a stand to save the bald eagle, and mm-hmm. uh, and the another one is Francis Herrick, who was the first scientist in the 1920s. Uh, to conduct a major study of of the bald eagle, wrote this wonderful book titled American Eagle. And, um, you know, uh, really fell in love with the bald eagle and uh, uh, became an outspoken advocate of their protection. And then, of course, the second time we pushed it to the brink of extinction unintentionally uh, was with DDT, as we pushed a lot of species, including the osprey, uh, to the brink. And uh, the... Um, and uh, a couple of people stand out there too. Doris Magger, who, um, who uh, in 1979 spent uh, six days in, in an eagle nest uh, to raise awareness about the plight of the bald eagle. She spent the rest of her life from her, life from 19, from her 40s until, into her 90s. She's still at it. Uh, um, going around the country, speaking on behalf of raptors and bald eagles in particular. And charles broley a retired banker from winnipeg winnipeg who retired to florida in the 1930s began climbing uh, uh 60 70 80 90 foot tall pine trees to ban eaglets. nobody was doing that systematically at the time and he did that for 20 years until age 79 and he was one of the first he was probably the first person to make a link between the declining eagle population in in DDT um, but also uh, even equally important is that his uh, his work banding eaglets uh, enables science to figure out the migration patterns of of bald eagles
0: Jack I have to congratulate you this is an absolutely fascinating book I can't tell you uh, how much I enjoyed uh, I waited to get home in the evening so I could sit down and uh, Uh, spend some time reading your book. It's just, it's so much. It's the bald eagle. It's a huge slice of American history. It's a huge slice of humanity. And as you stated earlier, it's a success story. I can't thank you enough. Jack Davis, thank you for joining us today.
1: Scott, my pleasure. That was
0: Scott Noggle and Jack Davis. I hope you enjoyed it. Be on the lookout for Scott's next interview, as well as the rest of our podcasts at leadersedge.com.